Any issues and stress can happen among adult siblings when caring for a parent or older loved one, especially when faced with an urgent health situation, providing caregiving or determining support that's needed. Also, sometimes when siblings come together to make important decisions, tough situations can be even more difficult to come to a consensus. Having a proactive conversation may help to address and even avoid sibling and family member disagreements. Hello everyone, I'm Cheryl Musial and welcome to My Care Advisors. In this episode, Navigating Family Disagreements When Caring for an Aging Parent, we are joined by Bonnie Elliott. She holds a master's in social work and is a certified senior advisor, certified dementia practitioner, certified placement and referral specialist, and the owner of Care Patrol of Central Maryland in Loudoun, Virginia. Welcome, Bonnie. It's such a pleasure to speak with you today. Oh, thank you, Cheryl. It's great to be here to share this information with listeners. So, Bonnie, in your experience as a certified senior advisor and with a background as, as in social work, how often do you help siblings or families navigate disagreements, and especially when they're meeting their care needs and whether aging parents or a loved one? Oh my gosh, pretty much on a daily basis. Um, A majority of the calls we receive are from the adult daughter or daughter-in-law, and they often have siblings who are involved in one way or another, or maybe not at all. And it's really rare that families or siblings are in agreement about their parents' care needs. Opinions can certainly get in the way of having those successful conversations sometimes, and especially when it's very stressful about care support, you know, for a loved one. So what are some of the common reasons that you have really faced or situations where sibling conflict over an aging parent or loved one can occur? Well, Cheryl, a family's history is long, ingrained, and often complex. And so ways of relating to each other, hierarchies, roles, resentments, and rivalries can surface when parent care and decisions become necessary. And, you know, it it might have been years since siblings have had to rely on each other or have a common concern like parent care that they're now managing together. So as adults, siblings will also have to figure out a whole new way of functioning that's very different from when they were kids. And they won't necessarily have their parents to help them sort through their disagreements and serve as the authority like they did when they were growing up. We've seen power struggles over care decisions occur if a parent has a designated has designated one or more of the siblings as the power of attorney. And this can cause resentment if the non-designated child feels, adult child, I should say, feels their parent is playing favorites perhaps. Or if two or more siblings are given equal power, these two or three may disagree on what's best for mom or dad. And then there's family rules around money, roles, what's acceptable, and these can all impact the situation. For example, my dad and stepmom were very private about their finances and they managed on their own, so we didn't know a lot about their status. And once my dad, who had Alzheimer's, was no longer able to manage, things started to unravel and then we had to intervene and take over. And my stepmother was resistant because this went against our family rule that finances should be kept private. And then, you know, adults have varied life experiences, which might mean a sibling is not even the same person that they knew when they were growing up, which means also, again, new ways of relating to each other are needed and not always anticipated. So often we don't realize how our siblings might have changed. And then males and females 
generally view caregiving differently, and these views can collide as well. So women are typically nurturers and focus on the emotions of the parent or the situation, while men use the management style typically and approach of problem solving, and that's identifying what the tasks are and how to accomplish them. And then another reason for conflict is that one sibling might live out of state, which makes it more difficult for them to know the reality of what's happening with their parent. And then that, you know, that distance can exacerbate communication challenges, the ability to visit, provide hands-on care, or take a parent to appointments or run errands like grocery shopping and things like that. And lastly, you know, siblings have varied history and relationships with their parents. They might have been years apart and grown up in a different sort of environment. And this can impact their emotions, their thoughts, their views of the situation. And these can cause conflict about what's best for mom and dad. So, you know, everyone in the family or sibling group will deal differently with the situation. And since it's fluid, changing constantly, the family member may deal differently with each step of the journey, depending on what's currently happening in their own life. And this can multiply or at least change the issues ongoing. So like a moving target, you know, the ability to pivot, that wonderful COVID word, <laughs> is very helpful. So Bonnie, thank you for highlighting these examples and these situations into really how it really happens in a life example. Can you share a story or another example you know, for our listeners of an instance where siblings or family members were in a disagreement regarding the care needs of an aging parent or a loved one, how you helped them navigate it and how it was solved? Sure, Cheryl. You know, I wish I could say that conflicts get wrapped up in a tidy box with a bow and everyone rides off into the sunset singing Kumbaya. But because there are usually multiple people, lots of emotions and high stress levels, fear and anxiety that's going on, that's not typically what happens. So we helped one family who toured the assisted living communities they were interested in seeing, but they decided to take their parent home anyway. And this went against the recommendation of the rehab who also made a report to APS in that case. And the adult siblings had different ideas of how to address the situation. Um, so the primary sibling caregiver said she couldn't take care of her parent anymore, and the other siblings said they would step in and provide care, but they didn't realize the complexity and the amount of care required. And, you know, we provided education about what the risks and, and you know, what could happen along the way, but they sort of did what they wanted. Um, the other siblings were working full-time jobs and weren't willing to provide uh, care by stopping to work, stopping their work. And so unfortunately, the family's still in denial of the appropriate care that's needed and the situation is ongoing, but we continue to follow up with them to provide support, education, and recommendations as things evolve. And another example was a parent diagnosed with dementia and she was living alone. There were three siblings, two were out of state, and the local sibling decided to move the parent in with him and sell the home to use the proceeds of the sale and invest funds for the parent care. And the parent became too difficult to manage at home. You know, we coached him along the way and encouraged uh, that he get some help. Um, it took a while, but you know, the local sibling dis discussed the options with the out-of-state siblings who thought he was being selfish and that he should keep his parent at home 
or their parent. And then ultimately the parent did move to memory care and the siblings are still arguing over costs of the care and the parent not living with the family. You know, the local sibling is a diligent advocate and keeps the siblings informed, which is great. And so I'm not sure we can say this is resolved as the siblings are still not on the same page, but they've the out-of-state siblings, that is, have sort of acquiesced to what the local sibling is doing, and they seem to be unwilling to kind of step in and take over for what they feel like they want. Now, as I mentioned, these situations are rarely resolved in our experience. However, with consultation, guidance, support, and education, most families compromise and or eventually agree to disagree. But along the way, it's vital to reinforce that respect, willingness to listen to others' ideas and opinions, open-mindedness, constant communication, and above all, considering the parents' needs above everything else as the common goal, that's the top priority as a family navigates the parent care journey. Yeah, it sounds really like conversations and navigating that can be extremely difficult and they're so unique by each family. Can you share a few tips on just how to start that conversation with siblings about family support that's needed, especially to meet the care needs in, you know, really stressful situations? Well, like you said, Cheryl, you know, having the conversation is crucial. (laughs) Um, So first schedule a meeting as soon as possible, preferably in person, but, you know, without a state and work and things, a video or conference call might be necessary. And then during that meeting, discuss the parent's diagnosis, their care needs, and how things might progress. Uh, And again, trust and respect is really essential if they're going to work successfully together. And if possible, the parents should be part of the decision-making process. I mean, you know, after all, this is their lives, right? And then discussing the options and next steps, you know, will the parents stay at home with care or, and who will provide that care, whether it's an outside agency or neighbor, friend, or a family member, or will the parent move in with one of the siblings or another relative? And that can be either permanently or temporarily. Um, will the parent move to an independent or assisted living or memory care community? And all of these, um, you know, possibilities may require that more information and research happen before they can really decide. And so then it's important to create a detailed plan for who will be responsible for what and communicate the plan to everyone involved. And some of the things to think about when you're sort of assigning responsibilities is which sibling has the knowledge, the skills, and the willingness to take on which responsibilities. And that might depend on their financial resources, whether they're local, their available time, and even their own health status. And agreement on everyone's responsibilities is really essential to move forward effectively. And then at this point, some additional information might be required in order to make a decision. So it might be necessary to schedule a follow-up meeting um, to help determine what type of care is most impro- appropriate and then how to implement that care. And then also it's important to decide how best to communicate between meetings and once the care is actually in place. Sometimes group texts or emails are a good way to do that or through a platform like caringbridge.org. Um, and then also determine how often the communication will occur, you know, regular check-ins, 
when when will they happen at when something changes or just ongoing and then once the care is actually in place it's important to really you know take a look and revisit periodically how things are going with changing needs and whether adjustments are necessary and refining the plan might need to happen based on how it's evolving so it's important to be flexible about shifting responsibilities among siblings you know that that pivot word again <laughs> um, and when it happens which it will pretty much in most situations or disagreements it can be helpful to seek outside professional assistance you know maybe a pastor or family therapist and really you know the parents medical team can provide objective realistic information and education about the diagnosis the care needs and the recommendations for next steps in the care plan, because sometimes family members are in denial of their loved one's diagnosis, right? So hearing that firsthand and in realistic terms can kind of be a wake up, um, or they might not be involved enough to see what's really needed. And if everyone hears from the expert at the same time and can ask questions, then theoretically the siblings should all be on the same page, which can really help to avoid or even alleviate uh, sibling conflict when it happens. Bonnie, thank you for sharing these tips, not only how to start the conversation, but as you mentioned, the ongoing planning and care needs that may arise. So thank you for sharing all of those to really get this jump started. So as siblings begin to discuss these care options, you mentioned it a few moments ago for their loved ones, can you share other recommended professionals? I know you mentioned you know, a pastor or family therapist, um, but you know, other professionals like a, such as a financial planner or accountant, elder law attorney, a certified senior advisor or senior care advisor, um, any of the above, and how can they help and, and really help navigate this process? Yeah, Cheryl, all of these can help with this different aspects of the situation, and not all of them might be needed. But if financial resources are robust or there's a spouse to consider, a financial planner and or an accountant can help ensure that resources are used most effectively with regard to tax implications and things like that, and that the money will last and the spouse's current and future needs are addressed. This can be really important if there's a healthy spouse. And then if financial resources are or could be limited, an elder law attorney will establish a plan to ensure that assets are spent down appropriately. And also that spouses, that spouses needs are accounted for and even to help apply for Medicaid. And that elder law attorney can also help with other aspects of estate planning and also the power of attorney process if that hasn't happened. Certified senior advisors are professionals who, in the course of their practice, apply multidisciplinary knowledge of the aging process and aging issues to identify the most appropriate options and solutions for seniors' individual needs and best interests to improve their lives. And then um, aging life care professionals, and you might know them as geriatric care managers, which is an older name. They have varied, uh, varied educational and professional backgrounds, and they specialize on focusing on the issues associated with aging and disabilities. So through consultation, assessment, care coordination, and advocacy, that aging life care professional works with clients and families to address all of these challenges. And their services are typically 
uh, at an hourly rate or on a fee-for-service basis. And then, of course, Care Patrol is um, a great resource. We're, <laughs> I'm a little biased. Uh, we're the nation's largest senior placement organization, and we have over 170 offices throughout the whole country. And what we do is assess each client's care level needs, their financial needs, um, preferred locations, and then from there recommend the best assisted living, independent living, memory care, or in-home care options for them. We provide education, guidance, support, and referral to community resources based on their individual or unique situation. And our services are available at no cost to the seniors and families we serve because we're paid by our thousands of quality providers across the nation. So Bonnie, it sounds like there are a number of professionals who can help family members just really navigate these difficult situations and that can be there by their side. Well, you know, I was wondering, Bonnie, are there additional resources that you'd like to share with our listeners just for them to think about um, even before net disagreements arise? Sure. Um, as I mentioned earlier, caringbridge.org is a free online tool for sharing health updates. Um, it's an easy and ad-free way to communicate health news to family and friends all over the place. Uh, my neighbor used it with her mom, and it was really helpful to just kind of have everyone be able to check in and offer comments and support on that caringbridge.org um, website or platform. And then uh, local departments of aging offer a lot of resources and programs that help seniors and their loved ones, especially those that have limited resources. But really, they also offer general assistance to everyone, such as information on choosing the most appropriate Medicare plan or assistance with veteran benefits, things like that. They have a variety of names in, you know, around the country, but typically it's a county government agency and their guidance is free. And then if someone has a specific diagnosis like dementia or Parkinson's, those national resources like the Alzheimer's Association and Parkinson's Foundation are really uh, robust with their websites. They have 24 seven helplines and offer uh, lots of information on topics, different topics like what to expect, how to have difficult conversations and all of those really targeted resources to the specific condition or disease that's that's happening. And then AARP, um, especially the local chapters, along with hospitals and health systems and hospice providers, they often offer support groups and information on community resources. Senior centers, the local senior center is another great resource. Um, there's lots of websites out there, one in particular that's called the Positive Aging website. And that has a huge archive of webinars that you, know, you can go back and listen to on a variety of topics. And they have a calendar with live and interactive discussions. And they really have had some leading experts on a variety of topics. Um, so that's a really good resource. And then, you know, books. There one's called They're Your Parents Too, How Siblings Can Survive Their Aging Parent Without Driving Each Other Crazy. <laughs> Love that title. Um, and that's by Francine Russo. And then another book, How to Care for Aging Parents by Virginia Morris. And so, you know, with a little um, 
Googling and sleuthing around and asking. There are so many resources out there for families and siblings. Well, thank you, Bonnie, so much for sharing all of these resources and tips with our listeners today, and especially all that you do every day to help family members navigate these difficult situations and disagreements. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you, Cheryl. It's my pleasure. We're, you know, we're passionate about helping families and their senior loved ones and um, offering information like this podcast offers. Thank you, Bonnie, for joining us today and sharing your insights on how to navigate family disagreements. Visit MyCareAdvisors.com to hear the episode and find helpful resources. You can also subscribe and listen to our podcast on your favorite app. I leave you with this thought. Family togetherness is the driving force behind a loving heart. Choose to be inspired to live the best life every day. Thank you for listening. We are grateful to be your guide.